2: Welcome to Poodle Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by...
1: Business editor and columnist, Greg Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Investigative reporter, Brian Chasnov,
2: And we're, we're back this week. We uh, we took a week off from the podcast and uh, a lot of stuff happened while, while we were uh, taking a break. Um, as, as most of you know, uh, most of the... Uh, Texas House Democrats uh, bolted the state last Monday um, during this special session uh, as a way to break quorum and and uh, block for the second time uh, block uh, uh, election legislation that they're unhappy with uh, from from uh, Republicans in the legislature you this happened at the end of the regular session and as we all expected uh, the the um, we, we're have a special session where governor Greg Abbott included, uh, the, this, uh, you know, what he, what he would call election integrity legislation which Democrats, uh, view as voter suppression legislation. Uh, it's, it's on the agenda. We're in a situation now where, um, uh, the Texas house Democrats are in Washington DC trying to, uh, make their case to, uh, to Democrats in Congress to to pass federal legislation that would supersede any restrictions that, that would happen in Texas or in other states. So that's happening. We've also learned that five um, of the Texas House Democrats in D.C. have contracted COVID-19. At least one of them that we know of is from San Antonio, uh, Trey Martinez-Fisher, the, the dean of the San Antonio delegation, announced on Sunday that he had uh, tested positive. So this is all happening. We also know that... Um, uh, as this plays out, uh, Governor Greg Abbott and Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick are already uh, plan to call another special session in August if this um, this quorum break continues for the next few weeks. So, um, I guess, uh, Greg, I wanted to start with you and get get your sense. We know that uh, what you know what the issues are as far as um, the you know, the election legislation, but. When you look at what the Texas House Democrats are are hoping to achieve, what do you, what what is the end game as far as you can see with with this move to to uh, to go to DC?
0: I mean, I think they're hoping for national Democrats to really step up. <laughs> I mean, yeah. whether whether I mean, you know, to give them a lot of air cover uh, at minimum, if not actual federal legislation to kind of buttress voting rights, you know. It, it, At least to give them uh, some shielding with with the Texas lawmakers constituents just to have the president to have, you know, Vice President Harris uh, taking up their cause in in a more kind of some way. I think that's that's their hope. I mean, practically speaking, I think. you know some kind of uh voting bill is or you know some kind of voting legislation is is inevitable i think mm-hmm. uh is that your view i mean do you think this is
2: a lot of noise and at the end of the day there actually will be a bill that that abbott signs yeah i i don't see any any way around it really i mean um it's uh i mean they're, they're going to Abbott will keep calling special sessions indefinitely. And you got, you know, if you look at where the leverage is, I mean, Abbott can, you know, and uh, the Republican leaders in the state are kind of, they're sitting comfortably here in, in Texas. And it's not, it's not really any, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously annoying to them to have this thing stretch out, but the Texas House Democrats, they're basically separated from their families. They're you know their funding could run out at some point. They've they've gotten some help from Beth O'Rourke's uh, organization, Powered by People, gotten a little bit of help from Willie Nelson. But you know this is a, you know, their their funds are not uh, unlimited, and they can only do this for so long. And we've seen that in the past. When we've we've had uh, quorum breaks. I mean, uh, Brian, what do you what do you when you look at this? I mean, uh, I guess f- when we look at the possibility of federal legislation that would block something happening in Texas. I mean you're really relying on um Democrats in the house in the the senate being willing to um abandon the filibuster and you're primarily talking about Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema um being willing to 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 do that when they have they've shown uh, you know they haven't seemed willing in, in the past I mean what do you what do you think the odds are on this
1: yeah, I mean, to me, it seems like it appears to be an act of desperation, but a, a strong sending a strong signal to uh, you know senators and at the in Washington to help. It's a it's a, a, a SOS, you know. Yeah. Um, that's why they That's why they fled to Washington was was to sig- send that signal. But you know, like Greg, I, I agree. It, uh, it it seems pretty unlikely and. The determination of of Greg Abbott to follow through on this appears to be great, and um, you know it, at the very least, it's a you know they're they're waging a political fight that uh, that, that is uh, also sending a signal to voters um, right. and you know drawing a line in the sand and saying this is what matters to us as Democrats, uh, you know, when it's time to to vote again.
0: Yeah. And Greg Abbott, uh, you know, he's uh, a lot of the the Trumpian base in in Texas looks on Greg Abbott with a lot of suspicion. Uh, You know, they they don't they don't trust him. And a lot of that has to do with the mask mandates and how he handled, uh, you know, the the early phase of the pandemic. Uh, You know, they felt he was, uh, you know, overly restrictive. Uh, forcing them at various points to wear masks and engage in shutdowns uh anyway so he's got a lot to prove with this kind of far right uh part of the base and you know just given that reality i can't see him uh giving up on this like you know there will be a bill that's right (laughs) he will keep them coming
2: back yeah (laughs) and and he's got you know he's got uh Challenges uh, in the primary. He's got a couple of challengers, including Allen West, the former Florida congressman who who was, uh, you know, the state Republican Party chair for about a year, and uh, he was very critical, as as, as you point out, of, of Abbott in, in when it came down to the mask mandates and so on. He hasn't been uh, he's West so far as a gubernatorial candidate has focused most of his criticism on on uh, Democrats, but if if Abbott doesn't follow through with this or if he shows any weakness on on the voting bill that's going to be big fodder for 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 and, West and really and the prim-
1: the, yeah sorry sorry to interrupt i was just going to say this is you know this is really isn't much of a stretch for texas republicans i mean they've been flogging the voter fraud uh, narrative for for many many years now that's right despite the lack of any evidence for widespread voter fraud? So th- this is a natural.
0: Intention. It's always worth pointing out too when we're talking about this, uh, because it sometimes you know it sometimes times gets lost in in you know the daily mix. But I mean, what's what's underpinning this whole thing is the idea among you know a lot of Republicans that you know the the presidency the presidency was stolen from Donald Trump through voter fraud. Like that's that is the reason we're in this position today. Like that really deeply held, totally bogus belief. Uh, It's why we're here. And it's, you know, I think we just constantly have to keep coming back to that. I mean, to understand that that is the context in which, uh, you know, we're we're seeing this legislation come up in this, you know, the Republican drive to pass it.
1: And it's, you know, I mean, the, the majority of Republicans must realize that that's a that's a false narrative. It's just. Am I giving them no, too much credit? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I, I think it, just it seems, seems like, like a, a, any, any mean, opening to to exploit something for, for gain. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think when when Republican voters tell pollsters that they think the election was stolen from Donald Trump, I think they really mean it.
2: Yeah, and I think there's a mix as far as the Republican you know lawmakers. I think there are some who deep down know that that the uh, the narrative that Trump that Trump had the election stolen from him was is just a, is a complete lie and uh, and they but they're just kind of playing along or, or kind of not saying too much about it and then obviously there, there are many and uh, yes uh, we're, we're looking at you Louie Gomer um, believe absolutely that Trump had the election <laughs> stolen from him and uh, you know <laughs> so it's you it's it's a it the facts really don't matter there but what, what, one of the things that happened to is that um, and, and and this quorum break is really you know th- this is happening in the context of similar election uh, laws that are being introduced or passed uh, in in various states, um, including Georgia, which was you know which was a, a, a crucial. Uh, swing state in 2020 that Joe Biden barely won over Donald Trump. So it's happening in that context, That the, the sense among Democrats that this is kind of a coordinated effort uh, to not only uh, propagate the big lie that, that Trump had the election stolen from him, but also to say whatever... Uh, aspects of the voting process were beneficial to Joe Biden. We want to kind of cut into them. Uh, former San Antonio Mayor Julian Castro, who uh, just last week we, we learned that he is uh, now a, officially a political analyst for MSNBC, and so he's been appearing on on MSNBC a lot over the last few days. He's referred to this uh, Texas voting bill as as point shaving, and you know, in the sense that you know when you have point shaving scandals in sports, it often involves uh you know gamblers or organized crime figures they might pay one player they might they're not you know not necessarily you know it it might not necessarily be this uh it might just be paying one player to just play a little uh you just don't play quite as well as you normally would and just do enough to maybe shave some points off and and uh just so gilbert
1: are you saying it's that they're cheating (laughs) I think what they're doing is they're looking at,
2: I think what, what what I, what I would say is that it's, it's kind of saying these are some different areas where Democrats tend to do well. Let's just kind of shave a little bit of the, of the turnout off in some of these areas. Um, and, and maybe just, uh, kind of create a chilling effect for some of these things. And one of the things obviously is mail voting. Um, they've made a big, big issue of, of mail voting. They've, we had last year, um, In Bear County, we had Justin Rodriguez, the county commissioner, saying, "Let's send out applications for ballots to anyone who already meets the 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 criteria. If you're 65 or over, or you're disabled, or you're going to be out of the county, let's let's just send. Let's make it easier for people. Send those applications out. Um, It's really not a big deal. We're not talking even about sending ballots out. We're just sending applications so that if somebody wants to uh, is interested in voting by mail, they fill it out." The county elections office still has to look at that application, decide if the person meets uh, the requirements, and then they send them a ballot. So I, I, it's really hard to make the argument that simply sending out uh, unsolicited applications, that's a problem. If anyone has been to the Bear County elections office, the application is there. You just have to print it out. So the county was just trying to make it easier. Um, Many candidates, Greg Abbott, uh, you know, in 2018, sent out applications uh, for mail ballots to to Republican voters. Um, so it, that isn't really a big deal. But one of the things that we see in this in this bill is uh, preventing counties from sending unsolicited applications for mail ballots. People now have to request the application. And in the application, then they request the ballot. Just make it a little bit harder. Again, you're kind of shaving a little bit off the turnout. Um, you're finding different. You know, they're they're trying. They're banning drive-through voting. They're banning 24-hour voting, which you know some of the counties had last year. Um, uh, Beer County had some some 24-hour sites. So it's it's just kind of trying to kind of cut into whatever advantages they think Democrats could have.
1: I'd be curious what you all think about uh, just the idea that you know, they're also, they would also be shaving into Republican votes. I mean, how, how, how solid is this idea that this will mostly affect Democrats?
2: What do you think about that, Greg?
1: Well, I mean, I think these are, I think most of these restrictions are
0: kind of bracketed to uh, urban counties. And, you know, if you look at how, and it, it's not an exact thing, obviously. Like, uh, I think there are, there will be some, uh, some Republican voters who are kind of discouraged or dissuaded from voting if these, you know, restrictions actually go in the books. But generally speaking, I mean, if you look at, you know, these are going to impact mostly, uh, you know, Harris, Dallas County, Tarrant County, Travis, Bear, all the big counties, and those go, uh, you know, generally go Democratic. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, these are, you're talking about Democratic majorities, so it's not it's not exact, but it, I think it's going to have an outsized impact on on democratic uh, candidates just because you know you're these these is it, particularly in statewide elections, obviously um, because this is where they go for votes, you know that's right big cities in Texas,
2: yeah, and I think we're, Democrats have just kind of worked harder at the mail val balloting uh, you know process in recent years. I mean, i last year I wrote about the fact and uh, that. Uh, you know, George W. Bush got elected president tw- in 2000 because of mail voting, uh, regardless of whether mm-hmm. you know people thought that there were uh, some questionable ballots in Florida. You know, ultimately, what decided the election for him was the fact that the Republican Party of, of Florida had this massive uh, get out get out the mail vote effort, in which they in which they enlisted then Governor Jeb Bush, the, the the brother of the the presidential candidate. So it's it, uh, male voting has benefited Republicans in in many instances, but I think particularly in recent years Democrats have put more work into it, more effort. And as you said, you know the the big the big counties where this is probably going to be a factor, um, they're Democratic counties. I think one other aspect of this, this uh, bill that I think really should concern everybody um, is that it, it it tends to empower um, partisan poll watchers, and poll watchers have a role to play. Each party. Uh, Send someone in to to a polling site just to monitor things to make sure that nothing bad happens. But they're very restricted in terms of their activities, and th- if they see something that that looks wrong, they they report it. And uh, but I think there is a concern that we're gonna we're gonna create a situation here where we're gonna have poll watch- watchers um, harassing voters and. Um, kind of getting in the way of voters and creating, uh, kind of, uh, some, some level of intimidation. And I think that that's something that really is a serious issue. And I think that something we, we really have to be concerned about. Um, so, you know, the, the, the last thought on this is just, you know, that, that, um, for, for, uh, Texas Democrats to ultimately be able to, to, to stop this legislation, they're, they're really relying on Joe Manchin. And I think that he, uh, has has made it clear he opposes getting rid of the filibuster. He also came down to Texas. I think this was really deflating for a lot of Texas Democrats. He came down to Texas uh, over the weekend and had like a fundraiser uh, with with Republicans. Uh, and I think that there was a feeling this is after meeting with uh, you know members of the Texas House delegation on on voting rights issues. So I think that there there's really a lot of. Uh, you know, con- concern about whether it's going to be possible to get anything passed on the federal level that would supersede this.
1: And, you know, I, I called the Democrats uh, fleeing to Washington an act of desperation, but stepping back a little bit more, um, perhaps the legislation here in Texas by Republicans is, is also an act of desperation because they see the, the writing on the wall in terms of demographics and future uh, elections. Yeah, that's
2: right. I mean, Joe Biden lost by you know five point something percent. Hillary Clinton, uh, uh, four years earlier, I think lost by about nine percent. Uh, if you go back to Barack Obama's um, uh, election campaigns, I mean, he was you know losing by much larger figures. I mean, the the the, the deficit has been shrinking. We saw how Beth Orourke put a scare into Ted Cruz in twenty eighteen. Democrats have not seen things shift as fast as they wanted, or uh, in as sort of a Linear a fashion as they wanted, but there's certainly evidence that things here have been moving uh, in their direction, and I think that um, you know this is this is part of what's 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 happening here with this uh, with this bill. I um, wanted to move on to a local issue which got a lot of attention this past week. Um We learned that uh, Shirley Gonzalez, who s- uh, spent eight years on the city council, just recently was term limited out has applied for the chairmanship of the San Antonio Housing Commission. And uh, apparently, uh, Mayor Ron Nuremberg is going to announce his decision uh, sometime this week. And as soon as the word got out about this, there's we saw a lot of pushback from affordable housing activists. A lot of concern because Shirley Gonzalez um, has tended to, uh, in uh, her support for for development on the west side uh, I think many activists have believe that she has uh that she's not really taken the issue of housing affordability seriously um, she favored um, a, a project which would involve a private develop private developer uh, demolishing the alison courts and having mixed income um, housing there which a big red flag for people because this is um, you know a, a historic Public housing uh, complex here in San Antonio on the west side. Uh, she also uh, came out as a member of the San Antonio Housing uh, Trust, a public facility corporation, was uh, very supportive of a development plan for the Friedrich building on the east side, um, and uh, got into kind of a, a real uh, conflict with. Her colleague John Courage, when he raised questions about whether there was going to be enough affordable housing there, so I, Greg, I wanted to ask you about this because I mean, I think underlying all this, I mean, Shirley Gonzalez, I comes from the, the the perspective that you know the the rising tide lifts all boats, um, and uh, I think th- I think there's a there's a, a question I mean among, among a lot of activists w- whether the, you know we we've seen in Austin how uh, uh, you know a lot of people have basically been priced out of of living there and. Um, we're not in that at that at that point yet in San Antonio, but I, I guess I want to ask you like how real you think these concerns are?
0: Yeah, I think it's kind of a collision of a couple of things. One one is uh, you know, it, Shirley Gonzalez was never shy about the lack of development on on the west side and in, in District Five, which she represented as you said for eight years. I, you know, she talked a lot about uh, how she would love to get uh, you know, really kind of catalytic projects going on the West side. It's just that, you know, developers for a lot of reasons just were never particularly interested. Mm -hmm. So, um, I I think with, with Shirley Gonzalez, there was a sense that, you know, if you were a developer and you showed any interest in, in, in a project in district five, um, Her first response would be, how can I help? (laughs) Not necessarily. Tell me about your project and what it would mean for affordable housing area. Mm -hmm. I think she was just very receptive uh, to any getting any kind of growth going on the west side. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's a concern for uh, housing activists who are kind of watching this other trend, which is this is not necessarily what's happening right now in District Mm -hmm. five. But it could at some point, you know, where you're seeing uh, really uh, quickly redeveloping, uh, you know, kind of older legacy neighborhoods that are, you know, seeing a lot of their properties bought up, uh, rehabilitated, rehabbed, uh, and then flipped, uh, bringing in kind of... more well-to-do, often younger buyers, sure. and creating pressure on existing homeowners, uh, driving up property values, which then you know drives up property tax bills, and kind of really, really stressing older homeowners to the point where sometimes they have to sell. We're not seeing this very much in San Antonio at this point, but we are beginning to see it some in close-in neighborhoods around downtown. This is you know, this is all, this is happening in a really big way in Austin right now. And that's, yeah. that's what a lot of people are watching. They're mm-hmm. concerned that what's transpiring in Austin, this housing crisis yeah. uh, could be coming to yeah. San Antonio. I think, I think that's overblown. I mean, you know, the moment Google, Facebook, uh, Tesla and Oracle built huge operations in San Antonio, yeah. Uh, and the population grows as quickly here as it does in Austin. Then we can worry about it. We're just not. We're just economically not in the same situation as in Austin. And that the housing crisis, if it comes to San Antonio, is in no way going to be as severe as it is there. However, uh, you know, it, we, this is a fast-growing city. Yeah. Uh, you know, we are seeing. Uh, yeah, an influx of young professionals, and we are going to feel this kind of pressure in older mm-hmm. neighborhoods. And mm-hmm. I think that's what activists are reacting to with Shirley Gonzalez's uh, application for this seat. You know, one yeah, of the they, they kind of want to head that off.
2: One of the things that's come up in Austin, I mean, is is not not only the fact that you, as you said, you've got like high tech companies coming in, um, and you know that the influx of, of those employees coming in. But also, I mean, I think there's a sense that Austin didn't d- do enough, maybe resisted, you know, uh, creating enough housing stock there, and particularly uh, housing stock, the, uh, affordable housing stock, um, and that now there's just such a shortage that that the demand so exceeds the supply that 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 is also creating a lot of a lot of stress in, in that city. I mean. Where do you think San Antonio oh, yeah, yeah, is exactly, uh, as far exactly. as just the amount uh, of housing that w- that is available, and and well, whether that's going to be going well,
0: no? I mean, they actually, yeah, that is. Uh, <laughs> there aren't a lot of new houses being built. Uh, this is changing. You know, there was, you know, until uh, a year or so ago. Um, you know, the the amount of new housing stock coming on the market was was really paltry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with demand really picking up, I think that's starting to change. But yeah, like right now, they're just look. I mean, there there aren't enough new homes being built to uh, to satisfy demand. It is a total uh, seller's market. Yeah. Like uh, if you own a home yeah. and you know you're putting it on the market, you you you're totally in control. I mean, yeah. you'll have plenty of bidders. Yeah. And if you're a developer with you know if you've got a new home to put it on the market. I mean, you really are in the driver's seat, but yeah, there just aren't enough. There aren't enough houses available simply. And you know, it's not clear that a year from now, even with all of the new construction underway, Mm -hmm. whether there's going to be enough a year from now or two years from now, I mean, we could still be in this really stark or, you know, really highly competitive market where sellers basically control everything.
2: Yeah. Well, I think we're going to wrap things up there. Um, Hope everybody's doing well, and we'll be back with you next week. Take care.